1: into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter
2: who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip oh I
0: say it's amazing he
3: does it tame and tame and tame again
0: crank up the music
2: 16 teams or 24, rabbit mascots or semi-forgotten lions, Mozart or Basement Jacks, Dishy Des or Jim the Pro Rosenthal, Golden Goal or penalties, and Craig Charles' brave boner. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés and the Perfect Euros. Right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of £1 a month for six months. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod to take advantage of this special discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 73 of the Football Cliches Podcast. Uh, This is the precise moment, in fact, that Euros previewing hits its saturation point with this – we're building the perfect Euros. I'm Adam Hurry, and with me is Charlie Eccleshare. How much previewing can you handle? Are you previewed out?
3: I don't think I've actually previewed in a way as much as previous ones. I mean, I think in, you know, 96, 2000, those tournaments, from more or less the moment the season finished, I was in full, full preview mode. And it's interesting now seeing how, you know, there are just so many different avenues that the media can go down, whereas back then it was, you know, the more perfunctory team guides a bit on the stadia uh and that was about it so i mean there's it feels like there's there's far more scope now than ever before and even that felt like a lot of uh, a lot of preview stuff so i'm not quite a saturation point yet
2: Okay, sounds like you have got another hour at least. <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah, to
2: preview this this tournament. Uh, alongside you, Nick Miller. I know you all almost previewed out because uh, you've been telling me about your
1: wall chart woe. Well, it's not so much wall chart woe. It's just a a, a, a kind of I don't know controversial break from the form by the um, the mm. Sunday Times who have this year gone with a, a circular wall chart. Okay. It, it, it's it's obviously this is key content for a uh, visual content for a podcast but if I can uh, describe it they have the mm-hmm. groups in sort of sections around six sections around the uh, the edge of a circle and then yeah. it, it, as you go closer to the middle of the circle it goes towards the final so the final is right in the middle in a kind of standard format and then the semi-finals are above that and then the quarterfinals <laughs> are around that it's I, mean, I don't do you have to rotate it you have to rotate your wall chart to read it there is a way of kind of uh, you don't have to uh, you you right. can just sort of you know, tilt your head, you turn your heart, turn yeah. your
2: body, right? So it's a mountain to Mohammed
1: situation. Exactly, right. you, you have to yeah. do an awful lot of work to actually get the most out of this wool shot. Ah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I can, I, I applaud the, uh, you know, innovative thought. Uh, it, we we all like people who try things differently, but why, why, why kind of. You know, meddle with a format that has worked for literally generations.
2: Charlie, I thought this was just a portrait versus landscape debate. Now we're going 360 degrees.
3: Obviously, they have to be done group by group and they have the fixtures, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I, what I want to know really is day by day almost. So what that, you know, I want, I don't want to have to cross-reference to be like, okay, so on 11th of June, you've got two group Bs and a group D or whatever. I, I yeah. prefer the simplicity of just knowing, right, okay, June the 13th, gonna yeah, be I'm important. a
2: TV schedule guy I want to know what's on my telly I don't I, I don't care about who's beating who because that will be explained
1: and I I, I yeah. want a very clear delineation of who's gonna play who in which um, you know in the event of who finishes where which uh, I mean it, it is rendered almost pointless by the third place you know going through it could be anyone really in those games so the the the, the wall chart on that basis on something of a hiding for nothing but yes I agree I want um, <laughs> Uh, I want day by day, and then I want a very clear bracket. An, an
2: early ripple there of irritation at the current Euros format, which we will dig into as we start to construct our perfect Euros in part two. But part one, as always, guys, is the adjudication panel. First of all, Nick, uh, some classic cricket football crossover for you here. This is Mark Wood in the... Test against New Zealand, (laughs) Um, really pulling out the retro references. Asprey Asprey and Ketsbaya, Um, that's my kind of cricketer.
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose if you're gonna, if it's a Newcastle fan or a Newcastle uh, cricketer uh, who's kind of pulling out football references, you, you, you got to go retro. You can't kind of go in, uh, dash in for a run out and go Matty Longstaff.
2: <laughs> yeah, very true. Yeah, he was. Um, he's he's very much stuck into a corner there. But Charlie, I mean, I mean, I suppose it's it's the scenario in cricket that he had there, where he was the the ball was grounded and he had the potential for a run out, and his only option was to kick it at the stumps. Um, but it released this kind of very childish impulse in him and it, and it's 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 something I've always been told that people did in the playground. I don't remember, ever remember doing this sort of shouting a player's name as I kick the ball. I don't ever remember doing that but it's wonderfully childish like really nice.
3: Yeah, yeah it must have just been a, a completely instinctive thing as well that it took him back to just booting a ball. Yeah I don't remember yeah there was that because there was that kind of classic question to pros wasn't there like when you were in the playground, who did you who did you pretend to be? I mean, I remember with my brother, we would simulate. So sort of, I would go and go, this <laughs> the classic right. younger brother. I'd go and go while he took shots at me as if, in fact, this was in the build-up to year 96, as if he would sort of play out a match where he would be Scotland versus England and he'd just sort of narrate it and be like, oh, and Gaz has had a shot and I'd sort of mm. try and keep it in. But that's sort of, then I'd just be, you know i'd have to be a goalkeeper which i didn't really want to be but yeah i'd like you i don't remember specifically picking a player and ascribing myself
1: oh i i, de- I definitely did that and the, the, it, it, adam i mean it, there is a, a well-known i'm gonna say well-respected journalist as uh, well who still does this uh know uh, <laughs> <freelancers, laughs> exactly yeah yeah freelancers <laughs> five-a-side football um yeah but yeah they, i'm amazed i thought everyone did this you know, they, they you know, uh, I, I would like like your brother narrate entire games uh, mournfully sometimes. Oh, just that's, my... that's something else oh, entirely. Okay, right. that,
2: yeah, that's something else entirely. The, the the childish impulse of simply shouting a name when you shoot—that's kind of Roy of the Rovers level. But you know, when. when yeah just commentating over an entire sequence of football that's that's thinking man's playground behavior absolutely um yeah uh, i'm fully on board with that yeah um speaking of commentary and commentators poor old john motson won't be at the euros for any of the broadcasters this year but don't worry nick he is well and truly occupied national rail have signed him up to front their campaign for safe rail travel let's have a little nicely edited montage of what he had to offer them (laughs)
1: Well, hello there, I'm John Watson, and it's delightful that you've joined me at the station where I'm reporting on the tactics people should adopt
2: to travel with confidence. You won't be letting the team down if you get a deliberate booking here. Plan ahead and book a seat where possible. Now, we might have to have another look at this one. The second angle should show us. And yes, we can
1: see there's no contact there.
2: Please <laughs> maintain
3: distance
1: wherever possible. <laughs>
2: Look at this one way, then the other,
1: and oh, what a clean finish!
2: Rail stuff are working hard for the team, keeping trains and stations clean. Um, Nick, I mean, there's so many angles we go with here, um, respectfully. Um, but the first of all, it's nice, it's comforting in a way to see that a proper football commentator, um, still finds it hard to simulate football commentary like they just it just sounds so wrong.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's like um the, the the classic old problem of uh recreating football itself in a film. It never it never looks authentic, seems authentic and, you know, and you can always you, the, the other thing is where you you will occasionally get for for like old footage, you will get a um a commentator kind of recommentating uh, the yeah. the thing and it's a sign of the the you know the real heads the way you can tell who has you know, re-commentated stuff but I think we, we are really are kind of burying the lead on, on this Motty thing which is right, it's only a few seconds and it's right at the start but he is wearing a sheepskin uh, face mask which is simply a lovely touch
2: it is a lovely touch Charlie what's your favourite moment of that I, I actually I, I genuinely do like the deliberate booking reference that's i mean that's that's nicely done the rest of it oh it's four out of ten isn't
3: it i mean the thing is with the, i mean this is what i was talking about a couple of weeks ago and you know this is that school of like mum passes to dad dad passes to mom and it's a girl i mean mm-hmm. th- i have no issue with motson doing this whatsoever like you know if if he's approached to it absolutely fine i just find the idea of the people who came up with this ad and i mean are they hating it as much as are, are they sort of Football people who know like this is clearly terrible, but maybe people so. like it, or is it just people so removed from yeah. any knowledge of football? And and what's that bit about like the no contact? That, oh, I just I do struggle <laughs> yeah. just because this has been done so many times, and I yeah. can't believe it's it's still happening. And there's no one in that in our imagined kind of football, uh, actual football. Uh, sort of what goes on saying, mm, not sure this really works.
2: This this concept of football is a universal language. I'm not I'm not buying it anymore. It I, I think there's just a lot of people who just don't deserve proper football chat and let's we shouldn't be kind of trying to approximate it. Um we need to start rowing back on football marketing speak. Um it's really starting to annoy me. You mentioned uh, that wearing a sheepskin face Mark, Nick was a um, was a nice touch. Well, I've got an even better touch for you here. This is Marcela Bielsa. Um coaching an under 11 side in Leeds just impromptu by by the looks of it and uh, there are so many obvious jokes here but it turns out one of them is actually true he did actually tell them they were going to have to play murderball for 3 <laughs> hours <laughs> which is quite wonderful. And, and a provisional touch classification here i would say is classy
1: yes i think so yes it was it i was i it was a little bit uh, sketchy on the details here it was it just, just a kind of local team and he was asked just a local under 11s team right okay center. and it yeah. wasn't one of those scenarios where he was just passing by and was looked uh, looked kind of unimpressed with the coaching standard and just sort of stepped in because that <laughs> that i mean not, lovely for the kids but very very demoralizing for the coach if that's what happened i, I um, think that could
3: even be pure class i think, I think it's it is a level up yeah it? it's slightly beyond class i think that's pure class else to clap hand emoji yeah i
2: mean yeah, his his willingness to just stay local during the summer is quite nice. Um, listener Sam um, speculates that the first thing he said to them was, "As far as I'm concerned, you can throw all those medals you've run in the bin." <laughs> um, but yeah, just a lovely scene. Everyone has enjoyed it. Um, really good pre-Euros content. Well done, everybody. Some of you listeners, uh, Nick certainly included, may remember the triumphant footballing small talk episode a few months ago. Um, I found perhaps the ultimate example. In um, in mainstream media, this is from an episode of Pointless this week, <laughs> and which I mean, which I think is the ultimate breeding ground for for crap footballing small <laughs> talk. But um, this is brief, but but really does hit the spot. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, now, Peter, Peter, welcome back. Hi. Um, tell us more about yourself, Peter. Okay, so
1: I'm a driving instructor, um, and yep. then in my spare time, I follow Crawley Town for my sins. Um, have done for over 30 years started in non league followed them right the way through to um to the football league I,
2: if anything charlie a slight hesitation before he said for my sins i thought i've got to say it i'm on pointless he's asked me who i support and what i do i've got to say it
3: it's so good yeah that that is just it's, you just have to don't you I mean, i'm a long suffering swindon fan for my sins mm. um yeah i hope there might then be a bit a bit more sort of um call and response about like oh you know sorry to hear that sort of thing oh there was oh okay no, there was. <laughs> I,
2: I, I was tempted to include the the prolonged conversation Nick, but I just couldn't do it because uh. Alexander Armstrong does not strike me as a football man I, I don't know if he he is or not but um the half-heartedness with which he entertains football sporting chat is quite something. It's basically that's very exciting. Uh, do, do you go with anyone? Does anyone go with you to these games? <laughs> and this bloke's saying, yeah, just, I've made some mates. Is that all right? <laughs> just stop. Stop. But there's no short way of asking someone who they support, especially on point. I, th-
1: I think we do have to sort of clarify that that is a correct use of for my sins. It, uh, as, as we established before, if he was... Manchester United from my sins, then that's mm. you know, disallowed. But Crawley Town, I think that's fair yeah. enough. But
2: yeah, on that note, let's do part two. Our job today is to create the perfect European Championship. Not championships, plural. That's for swimming, that's for athletics, that's for weightlifting. It's just football, so it's one championship. Important style note for everybody there before the tournament. We, I think we have to start, Charlie, on a really basic, boring, technical note. What format <coughs> do we want our tournament to be? Because, I mean... Way back in the day, before many people even considered it canon, you had like four teams involved, which is stupid and pointless. Eight teams feels thoroughly inadequate for the second biggest football tournament on the planet. So are you a 16 or 24 team man?
3: This is one of those things that shouldn't annoy me as much as it does. But that, changing it from 16, not a day goes by that I don't feel a slight twinge of irritation about that. That was like footballing perfection. 16 teams in the Euros. We know why the concentration of quality, and I know it's boring, but it was brilliant. 24 in the last Euros, it was, oh, it just became the word permutations. It was just all you could hear was, you know, but if they draw, but then in Group E, Iceland win by one goal. It was so tedious. Uh, and it meant the quality was diluted. That was the Euros USP, 16. It w- It had that over the World Cup even that every team, Almost everything was pretty good. So I'm a a 16-team evangelist. I'm okay. yeah, very, very strong about that.
2: That's fair enough. But Nick, you seem a slightly more romantic type. Um, you, you want the Northern Islands to be involved like they were in 2016. That was a good story. A 24-team opens you up to that sort of thing, that sort of novelty. Um, but does it override the fact that you're having... Best third place teams going through, which is a fact. No,
1: not for me. I mean, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm flattered that you think I'm a, a football and romantic, and, you know, in many ways I am, mm-hmm. but not in this case. What The, the one okay. thing um, that I, I do enjoy with the, having, after the switch from 24, is very specifically to do with Wales. And so, every, this will, would frequently get brought up that, you know, well, of course, you know Wales never got to tournament since 1958, and they've, uh, you know, got all the way to the semi-final thanks to this expansion. And though I, I enjoyed the very brief moment where just before the Wales fan or Wales uh, part of the Wales team or whatever would jump in and say, "Well, actually, we would have got there even if it wasn't 2014. We would have qualified." <laughs> oh, no, anyway. that's
2: fine. Which I completely accept that that was right
1: to point yeah. out. But the yeah. the, 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 the other thing that okay. that the 24 team format. Scuppers is the group of death because the point of the group of death is that mm. uh, if there are three massive teams like there are uh, like there are this this year in I forget which group which group letter it is Portugal France Argentina. yeah Group F the tension there is that one of those teams is going to go out and it's just yeah. a, which one who's going to you know who's going to bottle it on the big occasion but the 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 tension is completely taken away by the knowledge that one of them could just scab it through anyway they they can lose to the other big lads and then uh, absolutely pumped the, 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 uh, the fourth place team and waltz through. I really hoped you were going to say absolutely pump and you did. <laughs> so, fantastic. Uh, po- uh, Portugal, I mean, Portugal won. Uh, they didn't win a game last, last time, squeaked through in third place and obviously went on to win the whole thing, which I, I, I wasn't happy with.
3: Also, just one thing on that idea that, oh, now the smaller nations will, will can qualify. Yes, it's easier but they still were able to qualify for the 16-team tournaments. I mean, try telling Latvia in Euro 2004 that <laughs> the Small Nations, or Scotland in Euro 96. If you're good Excellent enough, try you'll, telling them. you'll get Excellent. in. Rather than yeah. that sort of thing. It just felt a little bit in Euro 2016. I mean, like Northern Ireland got to the last 16, and um, you know that was obviously really exciting, but there was a bit of like yeah come on you get through to the last 16 as well like everyone's everyone's welcome it lost the edge a little bit for me when as nick says you cannot win a game in a group and still like yeah yeah you're fine you're fine you just come, you, you come in as well
2: dangerously Anglocentric start to this this episode already um but yeah i mean I, broadly speaking you shouldn't you shouldn't have a tournament where 45 percent of the entrants are in Straight away. So yeah, 16 team tournament for our perfect Euros. Happy with that. Um, Right down to the micro now, Nick, we're going to talk about our official match ball. I have strong opinions about this. A lot of people just simply don't care (laughs) whatsoever. That's fine. I mean, there was a distinct Tango era, Mm. which which peaked in 1984 with the Tango Mundial, which was slightly odd name because it was the European Championships. Um, But it was the Tango design, but with slightly nice red lettering on it, which was a lovely touch. So that's that's my first that's my first nomination.
1: Yeah, I'm a I'm a Telstar man. Uh, I like the which. Oh no! Well, hang on. What's, what's wrong with, what's wrong with <laughs> the generic birthday cardboard. Uh, it's, it's 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 got a nice uh, it's got a nice look to it. But but I did I did also like the um, the, the Tango Twelve, the sort of the the kind of modern tribute in um, well 2012 uh, to the the classic old. Tango. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to go with that one. The one, the one. And I'm sorry, Charlie, if this is the one you're going to choose, but the one I simply will not expect was, uh, except was 2004, the grey one. I can't remember. what yes. it's called.
3: No. I, I'm oh. completely in agreement with you, Nick. Yes, I've good, sort good, of that. To me, it's funny that ball almost captures like the fashion of that time of, of 2004. It just wasn't really a great. I don't know, like sort of quite baggy, ill-fitting clothes, and that ball just sort of looks. A bit like that, yeah. It's 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 really quite horrible. I mean, the, the question rope, obviously, the Euro '96 one. Um, I mean, I know you need to be wary of just Euro '96 being the answer to to every question here because it, in many ways it can be. But that ball was uh, was really really nice, and I and I do like those those original Telstra's as as Adam says. They were they. they I mean, yes, they are that classic football card or stock football uh, ball. But I think there's something quite nice about that.
2: I understand completely how the Telstar became the generic football of choice. Um, it, it's just that I, I just you watch games where it's being played and it just sort of seems, seems to kind of balloon about like a supermarket <laughs> ball. And I, just, I can't way. take it seriously. But I definitely can't take, as you say, the Euro 2004 ball seriously, Adidas Rotero. There is no place for a silver ball. At a top level international tournament, it, I mean, didn't ruin the tournament, but it, it. Looking back, it kind of ruins everything about it when you when you see it, and it's. Um, so I'm. Paired to strike a happy medium between retro and forward thinking. So I will go with Euro 96 because it was the Questia Europa, the first multicoloured official ball <laughs> at an international tournament, but not garish and, and not forgettable like the current one, which is just, you know, little tiny splashes of pink and yellow and green, which no one's ever going to remember. So the Questia Europa from 1996, and that hopefully could be the end of our Euro 96 love-in mm. um, I don't want to get the Euro '96 is overrated brigade <laughs> tuning out straight away. Nick, this is your special area. This is mascots. Can you even name a single European Championship mascot from history? Because I can't. Can't you? Well,
1: I mean, this is this shows very, very poor commitment to the thing. What, what about you know? Uh... Come on. <laughs> uh, let me just bring up the Wikipedia page here. <laughs> yes. Okay. What about Goliath? Uh, Euro yes. '96. No. No, nothing.
2: Well, I mean, I was... I Deal and confused. Skinner,
1: <laughs> Gaza, yeah. Goliath.
2: Well, this <laughs> oh. is it. I mean, Goliath. the memories. If it had been done properly, the Euro 96 mascot would have embedded itself in the ongoing cultural Euro 96 bandwagon, just like everything else, all the other obvious things. But Goliath is utterly forgettable, Nick.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, yes, I will concede. I'll tell you what isn't forgettable, if you were you kind of seen it at the time, was um, West Germany, 1988, Bernie. Which is a um, a grey rabbit, that, which I'm sure was supposed to be kind of, you know, looked adorable, but actually looks a lot like the rabbit from Donnie Darko. It's absolutely fucking yeah. terrifying. <laughs> but
2: on a, on a more mundane note, and um, this is this is on a kind of on-running theme about how half-hearted European Championship mascots are they used it again <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just a yellow one and the, and the name was changed to simply Rabbit <laughs> that's so shit that
3: is so last minute isn't it fuck oh shit we don't have we a, mascot. Got a mascot we don't have a mascot just do
1: just do what we did last time do, a name there's no time just call it Rabbit <laughs> It's, it's, it makes it worse is it's not even that the whole thing is yellow it's just that there's just the yellow headband that's it they yeah, haven't even bothered yeah. to put the, the whole thing in a different color Absolutely
3: pinocchio was by the way was oh. the italian 19, 1981 i, I never Didn't knew even that they
1: think up their own <laughs> character <laughs> what stole that?
2: it from fables um, what's
1: that to do with anything i do like they um, um, like lucky for, for for firstly for the name which obviously Netherlands and Belgium, two thousand. Yeah, joint
2: hosts really does. Yeah. kind of make it trickier, oh, doesn't but, it? You get a lot of portmanteauing. But
1: but but they've done it very nicely. So Benelucky was uh, was a lion, and um, they have used the uh, colours of both the uh, Netherlands and the Belgian flag to kind of uh, d- to to sort of divide up his mane. So the, the common red is at the top, and then on either side you got black and yellow, and uh, and white and blue. It's uh, and then. There appears to be a ball stuck to him as well, with um, which is is slightly strange. But I thought that was uh, that was quite nice. That was, just that was a very
2: confused affair, isn't it? I mean, uh, there doesn't seem to be a golden era Charlie of European Championship mascots, unlike the World Cup, for example. And there doesn't there doesn't seem to be any reason for that for me. Um, yeah. We are in a we are in a very very um sort of turgid era now, which is basically just a succession of of cartoon boys. Yeah, uh, which are la- the latest is skillsy. Which does sound like it was made up of like a sort of year seven child, doesn't it? That's re- skillsy is really shit. Isn't
3: skillsy it? It? That sounds like a really a really desperate attempt to appeal to a younger crowd, um, especially as it's described. And by the way, this Wikipedia page, I mean, is is amazing it, for, for like earnest descriptions of uh, not so serious <laughs> things, which. Uh, you know a genre we've discussed before it's really good but yeah mm. skillsy is a character inspired by freestyle football street football and panic culture
1: i'm just like you guys i'm one of the i'm one of the kids i should uh, i should say that in um in what can only be described as an extremely on brand development i was accidentally there when skillsy was unveiled it was a, <laughs> a, a game at um a game between netherlands and germany and amsterdam which um I, for some reason, persuaded a former employer to send me to, to cover. Uh, not not because I knew Skillsy was going to be there, but that was just an added bonus. I was going to say, you said one yeah, well mascot worth it duties. once you came back with that. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. You've
2: got to send me. You're like, like Kate AD, but for mascots.
1: <laughs> Very much so, yeah. But yes, uh, it, a bit, huge fanfare. And this guy, because it, it, this guy was wearing a, it was obviously wearing the, the kind of mascot suit. And then he also had two freestylers Beside him, who obviously did oh, their very man. impressive freestyling thing. I'm so bored of football freestylers, Nick. I just, <laughs> I'm not impressed. It's not proper football. Uh, it's <laughs> fine. It's it's. it's oh, I don't care. <laughs> but uh, it, then the person who was in this skillsy suit had to do a series of quite clumsy and kind of uncoordinated uh, skills yeah, while he nice was guy. kind of uh, while well, he had this very un uh, you know cumbersome suit on. Um, so mm. yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say it was the 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 greatest thing that I've ever witnessed in a football ground, but you know, I was glad I was there. But more than justified the trick. Oh, God, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> so, Charlie, before we pick as essentially the best of a bad bunch here, um, given that this is a pan-European Euros, a truly pan-European one, um, I guess that makes the job of picking a, you know, or designing a mascot even harder. So I'm not surprised they've gone for a generic kind of skillsy. Mm. But what could a pan-European mascot really do? What, what, what kind of mascot could encapsulate continental Europe. I, all I can think of is bad genes. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, so, it's sort of
3: easier in a way because the whole thing, you know, for a kind of sterile thing devoid of personality, as a lot of these mascots have been, and just doing it pan-European feels sort of somehow appropriate. But can I just clarify something as well? So on this it says, the, uh, the name Benelucky is a portmanteau of Benelux, the term for the three nations of Belgium, the Netherlands and Luxembourg. Oh, here we go. So why was... Have I missed something here, is it Luxembourg didn't. They didn't host a game in Euro two thousand. Abs-
2: no, I don't think they did. No. Um, but
3: why is Luxembourg getting getting in on the act? So I,
1: I don't know. It's a I long mean, history of Luxembourg something. being patronised in uh, in mascot form.
2: This, this is extraordinary. This is imagine if they'd had to build like an eighty thousand seat of stadium just to get
1: involved. <laughs> <laughs> the, u- the ultimate white elephant.
3: <laughs> yeah. well, well worth it for Ben Luck Ben yeah. Uh Yeah, I'm really baffled by that.
2: I might have to make the casting vote here i'm trying to th- think of the mascot here which is the least shit and i i think we might have to go with the original rabbit the 1988 rabbit bernie um suitably childish enough you're going to appeal to the younger audience looks like some effort went into it the name isn't stupidly football related the whole thing isn't too convoluted 1988 rabbit is my choice for our mascots
0: With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
2: Next one, a hugely important subject, Nick. This, we are going to pick our broadcasting theme tune for our fantasy tournament. Um, This is obviously a BBC versus ITV showdown. So let's take a little possed history through this sort of thing in recent years, um, this is my personal favourite to start with. This is ITV's Euro '92 theme tune. You are the number one. The number one. The I should have included the saxophone this tune, but the lyrics are undeniable. You, you are the number one. You are the best. So just believe it that has european appeal everyone understands that
1: concept of being the best and being number 1 it also sounds like it, it sounds like it was recorded by the same people or in the same studio as the here we go thing from sky as well i'd love to find the original file yeah. of that that is the holy grail yeah. finding the original
2: full version of here we go uh, not commercially available and very very annoying but it is still a very very solid pop song from the from Late eighties and early nineties, which I'm very happy with. But I mean, the whole kind of genre of this, which people do look forward to people people look forward to the kind of unveiling of a of a broadcaster's title music. But it kind of all kind of um, descended into faux classical minefield, Charlie. It began sort of BBC. I mean, in the spirit of uh, Bernie the Rabbit, the BBC just repeated the same song from 1992 to 1996. This was Ode to Joy, which I think was quite jaunty. To include the BBC, I didn't there because it's just wonderful, obviously. I mean, Charlie, I think this passes one of the crucial tests for a broadcasting title music, is that you, you, you could hum it in the kitchen as you go and get another pipe of Pringles or a, yeah. another beer for the lads.
3: <laughs> Uh Doritos and dip. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. I, hey, mean, got I dip. Uh, Where's uh... the dip? I watched this earlier and it did. Yeah, I really like this one. Ode to Joy, also the most commonly chosen song on Desert Island Disc. Um, At the time of recording.
2: (laughs) Very, very nice. Yeah, so this is is potentially an early favourite in this debate. Um, Nick, hot on the heels of that. So as I say, we did get into a kind of um, faux classical... Territory. Um, no, we didn't because we haven't got the clip, so I'll start that again. So, after that kind of faux classical era, Nick, uh, BBC in Euro 2000 had Andrea Bocelli singing over the top. Uh, but it all came roaring back in Euro 2004 with Basement Jacks, which is the most 2004 choice it could potentially have had. I can't think of a more 2004 choice. But... Quite unusual to have like a
1: a mainstream act kind of delivering the the theme tune, yeah. Because you want to you sort of associate it with that tournament and only that tournament, not you know some kind of sweaty. That's dangerous. Yeah, some kind of sweaty club that you've been in six months previously. Mm. You think? this What? I mean, surely that they've missed something of a trick here by um, sort of ripping off the the, what the Champions League did, which was to commission a theoretically original piece of music, but was just. Uh, in in <laughs> fact, someone putting a, a bit of a spin on an existing piece of classical music, mm. so they could just get mm. someone to kind of riff on Ode to Joy a little bit, and then then yeah, you know, it'll be become yeah, iconic just, for some to, reason.
2: Just mix up the notes. Um, the same year, two thousand four, ITV went with Max Sedgley's Happy, which is also an incredibly two thousand four piece of music. But don't worry, it came roaring back to the classical scene. Charlie in two thousand and eight, when both BBC and ITV both went for Mozart. BBC's Mozart was remixed by Uncle which is kind of cool but I think ITVs was arguably superior let's hear that I don't know I don't know why we kind of got into this habit of sort of really kind of pushing football to the kind of the cultural kind of echelons that we think oh it's a very classy affair isn't it this European football does it need to be why did we get so attached to this
3: well this is all the kind of Italian 90 uh, doesn't Italian 90 have a lot to answer for with this (laughs)
2: yes it does and I
3: guess they thought Mozart it being in Austria you know they probably both thought ah this is quite a good idea you know like ah, bollocks the other one's done it as well footballers religion and kind of grandiosity and yeah, it's kind of where football was at this point.
2: Nick, do you think their first port of call is we need to find a composer from that country? Let's see what they've
1: got. Yeah, and a, a real kick in the pants for Switzerland in this uh, it, it, that year. You know, what they've both gone for. Who's your favourite Swiss composer, Nick? Oh, I mean, there's too there's far too many to pick. I couldn't uh, couldn't possibly <laughs> simply land on one.
3: I'm surprised Luxembourg didn't somehow get involved in this, given. <laughs> Seems to be muscling their way into Euro
2: I, I don't know any Lux and bourgeois <laughs> uh, musicians, quite frankly. Euro 2016, BBC. This was um, a very French-tinged piece of music, and again passes the kind of humming test. You, it was the sort of thing you it, a bit like the um, the World Cup in Brazil theme Tuesday, you Yeah, kind of humming yeah. around the house. This was really, really good. I think we're getting closer to the kind of the real sweet spot here. This was lovely. I would be my So that was nice. So it's like a a modern twist Mm. on on what was becoming a a kind of rather stale affair. But Nick, in 2020, or 2021 rather, the Chemical Brothers are delivering the BBC's title music for the Euros. And which is quite interesting because I feel like the Chemical Brothers could have done any title (laughs) music from any tournament from the last twenty years. What a crafty decision. Jaunty. It's summary I feel like this could be the Glastonbury coverage title music.
1: It's also it's it's the classic decision of um, you know someone who grew up in the nineties is now in a position of commissioning power, kind of going, what what do the what do young people like? Chemical Brothers, I liked them when I was young. Let's let's get them on board. But it, and it, the sort of sweet spot of I mean, you know, I'm sure the Chemical Brothers are doing very well, but. Let's be honest, they'd probably be available to, to do this as well. On the
2: other hand, I mean, Charlie, we, sh- we should be placing our trust in these people's uh, kind of tastes because, you know, the BBC did bring us that national montage in 2018, which is mm. genuinely accepted to be one of the best months. And that was just for a penalty shootout wow. win over Colombia. It wasn't even that dramatic a moment, really. Um, so I, I don't know. I think we're in safe hands but wh- wh- where where are you thinking of the sweet spot is here now? I mean, actually,
3: yeah, it's tricky because so. 96 as well had um, ITVs was Jerusalem, wasn't it? So you had, that was a real Ode to Joy going head to head with Jerusalem. That's a heavyweight battle. Yeah, but I, th- I think you probably do want to move away from that um, because that was in that sort of 96 to 2008 bit on the space was when the Premier League and football was at its most bombastic. Um so maybe something a bit more measured. Uh like like in France five years ago, is, is, is a bit more appropriate for the world we now live in.
1: Yeah, I, I I would go with the, the 2016 one simply because um I haven't I don't think I've thought about that piece of music for a second since twenty sixteen. But hearing it then took me back, took me right back. The sun just the sun just shines as soon as you yeah, hear it. It really is a lovely yeah. piece of music. Um I think I feel like the only
2: um the only kind of uh, opportunity here perhaps perhaps the next tournament needs a kind of Super Sunday style piece of music which we have covered extensively on this podcast before which are songs that record sound like they've been recorded purely for that purpose with a bit of a cappella vocal at the end uh, maybe that's where we're headed if Sky ever get the right to a major tournament we know what's going to happen they won't be picking classical that's for sure uh, so BBC Euro 2016 uh, that's our choice for our fantasy tournament broadcasting title theme music but Nick once that once, the- once that music. Has died down. Who's the first face that's going to greet you from the studio? My shortlist for you, you may have others. Jim Rosenthal, Des Lynham Gary Lineker, or Leffield Chow, Adrian Chiles.
1: I, I I, almost don't want to answer this because it, it, I, we're, we are just slipping back into the Euro 96 thing. No. Sorry. Sorry, it's Des. Sorry. Is it? Yeah. I, I mean, I, that's wow. just, you know, going on instinct to this one, he's just, he, his is the first face that I, uh, that, that, Conjures up even more. I associate him even more with um, Euros and international tournaments in the 90s than I do with Match of the Day, which, you know, which, you know, all Grandstand, which he obviously presented for years and years. But yeah, it's Dez, I'm afraid.
2: He, he went as far as Euro 2004, which kind of actually surprises yeah. me, Charlie. And I mean, as as much as I love Des in that kind of vague way that I just assume I have to because everybody else does, I wonder, is he the man for the kind of real high pressure moments?
3: Well, famously Dishy Des, as he was uh, as, as we just called him he
2: had <laughs> that, how 90's Dishy
3: <laughs> so good. He had a moment in Italian ninety where he kind of freestyled a little bit and then lost his way and it really haunted mm-hmm. him. Um mm-hmm. but it never happened to get him again and I think he you know he was the consummate professional. So I think he I think he can. I mean he he's he's, he's obviously associated with the um shouldn't you be at work in yeah. France ITA, which was brilliant. But I always I remember Euro '96, the Germany game, and it starts, and he—it's something along the lines of "Good evening, you must have heard there's a football match on." Sporting, history, <laughs> waiting to be made.
2: Bloody hell, that's really good, death. <laughs> that is a really good death. Lovely little kind of feline growled <laughs> yeah.
3: very good but i often think of that the finishing line of sporting history waiting to be made like i just think of that off i think it's such a a great line and he yeah he i know as you said it is i'd love to be contrary here and be like actually dishy des was overrated and we he should be cancelled but he was great and he did um he, he did do that thing which was good of not making it t- seem too uh too important he kind of had that there's like Roger Moore raised eyebrow, which uh, yeah, I,
2: like. I know. Fair enough. I mean, levity's good. I mean, and if you've got if you've got a, you know good solid reputation behind you to deliver it, that's kind of alright. So okay, the Des London Appreciation Society have won here. Clearly, he can be our main guy. But there's always there's always who's going to present the kind of lower kind of group stage? Not actually at the. Um, Mm. you know, city centre square studio mm. kind of situation. Jim Rosenthal, I feel like, would be quite good for that because he's... So, I mean, he he. you could give him a game with five minutes notice, Nick, and he, <laughs> he'd style it out completely. He's Jim Rosenthal. He's the voice of sport. Oh,
1: yeah, 100%. He'd already have his blazer on. Um, He'd be prepped and ready to go. But if you can't get Rosenthal, uh, I, I just associate those sort of games with Matt Smith, just oh, mm, yes. your classic yeah. kind of oh, yes. uh, ITV... Uh, Like the the ITV Champions League highlights show, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's on (laughs) slightly, slightly too late to you know to bother to stay up to watch, but he's he's absolutely perfect for that. Um, he
2: he's, and a, if he's not around Manish. So. <laughs> Matt
1: Smith is so a
3: brilliant choice. equivalent of it, like a really important 12 man squad player isn't he like you can you just know he'll come in and do a really good job in in a, yeah, in definitely. lots of different positions
2: Yeah I completely agree yeah yeah good choices good balance In our punditry roles then I mean it's a bit like a squad selection scenario Charlie you do need that balance you need that mix of flair and authority and all that sort of stuff um, but there are there are kind of recurring roles when it comes to BBC 90V punditry. Um, I feel like they always need one kind of suave, big-budget continental who who maybe in the 90s would have been like the housewife's choice, but now these days it's just more like showing off your budget. So this, I think this year there's Klinsmann on the BBC. Uh, Thierry Henry pulled out. And Fabregas, <laughs> is he's, he's, he's actually going yeah. to the tournament, which is... Um, Pretty big time, but they've got Fabregas and Klinsman. Fabregas is great, real kind of authority, yeah. He's
3: very much that role, and again, I mean, Rude Hullet um kind of kicked this off, didn't he? In your 96 with sexy football, etc. Uh, and then yeah, it became a bit of an arms race. And it may be, I mean, the Nadir arguably was Cannavaro, was it at the 2014 World Cup, um, where it seemed a little bit like you know
2: too much of a big name, but yeah. nothing much yeah. lectured yeah. lecture like,
1: by Martin O'Neill about uh, how many years. Yeah. Yeah. About
3: about the Champions <laughs> League, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Amazing. But I, I like as well the new um a slightly newer role now, and I'm a big fan of this because I always wanted this uh in football pantry was more recently retired players. Cause it always felt previously that you've got people talking about uh football who haven't played haven't played football for so long. And so I love how many um kind of what seemed to me as if they could still be playing, um, you know, so you look at the, your James McFadden's, your Ashley Williams's, your James Collins's. And I love, you've got, I think BBC have James Collins, then ITV, like, we raise you Rob Earnshaw. Um, and it, it it it's really good. And, I, you know, I think someone like Mika Richards has done loads for this because he is... Someone who you know is, is a lot younger and, and has been so good that I think everyone's kind of looking for the next uh, the next Mika Richards.
2: Okay, so let, let's let's start pinning down some names. I mean, we can get onto our Suave Continentals in a moment again, Nick. But for our sceptical domestic voice, we need Martin O'Neill, don't we? Because he's capable of sort of stopping someone and saying, "Actually, I don't think that's quite right." Even if it's something about really silly, like Robbie Williams back catalogue. Yeah, and uh, as you <laughs> say, the,
1: the the nice thing about O'Neill is you can. There's always a slight sense that he's going to say something eccentric just just do something weird like i suppose you know lecturing um fabio cannavaro about how many european cups he's won or you know famously a huge sort of true crime enthusiast maybe he can kind of Riff on that for uh, for some inexplicable reason. But the, but even if he doesn't, there's always the sense that it might happen, which is uh, which is almost enough, it's almost in- enjoyable enough. But in in terms of the um the big continental name, Hullet I mean, obviously was was
2: a breakthrough moment for the BBC, Charlie, with the whole sexy football thing. Of course, he I, I, in my eyes, he kind of overstayed his welcome a bit because he he rocked up on Match of the Day a few times mm. as well, uh, wearing his own brand of clothes. <laughs> Rude Hullet clothing, they had a logo on. That's 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 not being That mistake. feels like advertising, yeah. That's, <sighs> yeah. that's uh, disqualified for that reason alone. Um I feel like Klinsman is a is a is a is a kind of um clever little shout by them because uh He's he's just got that kind of transatlantic accent yeah. as well, which is just a bit like, "Whoa, what am I listening to?" I, this is this is kind of cool.
3: Klinsman's very sort of, I think, corporate sheen, um, mm. but to me, he's a bit. I think Fabregas is more in that sweet spot because he's younger, and I don't know where. I mean, as you you know, you mentioned the housewives' favorite thing earlier, which you know, again. <laughs> It's probably belongs to the nineties, but like, I'm sure Fabregas, if he'd been, you know, doing your nine six, he would have been very much branded as that. So I think I think he's 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 almost uh, Hullet's successor for this tournament.
1: Mm. The thing I I, I the thing I want from Sorry. from that kind of genre of um, you know big name is absolutely no connection to English football, uh, the, the, uh, and the the kind of so, so that they have the sort of vague sense of bafflement as to what's going on. That you, you I, I like the idea that someone that someone from the BBC or whatever has kind of thought, well, can we get Clarence Seedorf and then <laughs> called his agent up, and the agent has said that someone from England wants you to do TV during the Euros. <laughs> what, what do you reckon? Uh, sh- sure, yeah. There's that vague sense of bafflement and not quite knowing what's going on with this, uh, you know the. Big name European. Also, this this yeah. doesn't quite fit with yeah. Sadov, but there's there's also quite a nice um a nice thing with someone who's never played in England, and thus you are. And this is a very English thing to say, and thus you are slightly surprised that they speak English. Like Fabio mm-hmm. Cannavaro has no practical reason to be fluent in English, <laughs> and yet he was which is kind yeah. of feeds into feeds into that English thing of being very impressed by people who could speak other languages other than their own in a general sense Charlie um,
2: I, I think we, we may well have passed this point quite a few years ago um, we could have said this in 2014, 2016, 2018 are we now at a point? Where kind of lazy international tournament punditries pundit let me start again. Are we now at a point where lazy international tournament punditry simply will not be tolerated? Because um I, I feel like this tournament we're not gonna to get too much of, well, we know what to expect from the Swedes, they'll be organized, they'll be they'll be tough to break down, you know, they'll be well drilled. And um, I don't think we're gonna get much of that at this tournament. I feel like we've moved on.
3: The perennial slow starters and that sort of thing, mm. the, the infighting in the Dutch camp. Yeah, I think so. I mean th- this and we've spoken about it before, but the, the Mark Lawrence and World Cup 2018, which I think sort of crystallized that debate of, um, you know, that you can, with, with a certain audience, you can no longer get away with those sort of things. But yeah, you know, and it used to be the case, didn't it? That'd be sort of like, uh, giving each other a bit of banter, like, oh, he's done his research, he's done his homework. Yes. But if,
2: if, yeah, no, it seems like a real novelty yeah, to have actually done some If Martin
3: like, O'Neill, you know, seemed to actually know who the Czech Republic's right-wing <laughs> was. was, like, ooh, some kind of research. Um, yeah, whereas now I think the sort of Gary Nevilleification of punditry means, uh, mm. you know, it's actually quite impressive to, to, to know your stuff. So, yeah, I think we, we won't be hearing about... Um, yeah, the slow starting Italians and any other cliche. Uh,
2: speaking of Gary Neville, Nick, ITV have got Gary Neville on loan from Sky from so much which, which is quite a nice touch when they get the pay TV big lads on loan for the summer as if they've been called up by their national teams. But the ITV panel this this year, it's serious stuff. You got Righty, obviously. Roy Keane, Gary Neville, Patrick Vieira, Graham Soonish, and Ashley Cole. That's their kind of real kind of lead. Headliners for their punditry. That's that's a serious
1: set of names it, it, and views. It is, but I, I sort of don't like the the uh, don't like the um, the pundits out of context thing because I, I I'm not I don't know Gary Neville and Graham Souness on ITV just seems just feels wrong. I I I think Charlie. I mean I mean you look at the BBC's panel. It's still big names.
2: Um, Rio Ferdinand, Michael Richards, the Athletics' Alan Shearer, of course, Alex Scott, Jermaine Genus. I mean, you know what to expect from these guys, but I, I feel like ITV have really pushed the boat out. So I, for once, for once, I'm siding with them. I think they've won the battle. Um, but they also, ITV Charlie, have also got Peter Walton. What a <laughs> life he's got. What a life he's currently living.
3: I mean, yeah. I bet you can't believe his that life. That is an extraordinary appointment. That people... That, that- <laughs> ITV have watched him on B Sport and been like, yeah, we need a bit of that. But, like, yep. I mean, I, yeah, I, if, if you're ever in any doubt as to why we're where we are with things like VAR, you have to remember that it's people like Peter Walton who are kind of running the show. And that, I think, yeah. sort of makes things a lot clearer. But actually, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like ITV often do have the better lineup on paper. And you go in thinking, mm-hmm maybe I'll watch them but then it's just you're always you're
2: never going to choose them in a head -head exactly
3: yeah like that's
2: the tricky yeah I don't know don't know anymore I'm very confused it used to be such a cast iron decision for
1: me Nick and now I'm like I just don't know which is credit to ATV to be fair for the for the referee spot what well, I would like uh, Dermot Gallagher but I'd want him to do it in his actual Irish accent <laughs> <laughs> he has to do yes he, he has to do all the accents from the British Isles depending on who's playing
2: uh, which I'm, I reckon he can pull it off um we, I, I'm aware that we haven't actually selected any names here but I'm enjoying just just the the general overview here um the bbc's co-commentators for this tournament jermaine genus martin keown and danny murphy that's a worry for me that's like that's like england's actual defense i'm a bit concerned we're a bit threadbare
1: yeah i, I was uh, I, I did get my hopes up slightly but i, I do having not seen uh, danny murphy's face on the um uh, he but he's he's who i who the, the, the face that springs to mind when you think of the oh, someone's done his research thing, the <laughs> yeah. kind of you know, the lad who's uh, who's poking fun at the dweebs, um, yeah, or
3: yeah, or even now, it's more just like you're overcomplicating it, they're just not good enough, like it's kind of the yeah. it's not even like you, it's you know, you're overthinking more even than just you've done your research, um, yeah. I mean, but he's he feels like the Loro successor, doesn't he? They're kind of. Yeah. You know they've got to not be too over-enthusiastic.
2: The real tragedy of Euro twenty twenty, uh, Nick, is that the team news at ITV McCoist in champion out open brackets ESPN. Oh my god, that's a
1: huge shame. Well, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's oh surely the uh, ITV could have directed some money away from you know Sunes or, or whoever. And I mean, it was twenty eighteen. It was the World Cup, wasn't it? Where that that sort of that partnership really blossomed. So why? Carrying not carrying the momentum forward to the next tournament.
2: No, I, no, I, I, completely agree. It is a shame, but I feel like I feel like Tilsley can carry that on if they if they mm. partner Tilsley and McCoyce, so That could mm. work. Yeah,
1: that's, that's true. Charlie,
2: I mean, he, Tilsley's, yeah. Tilsley's got enough about him. He's got the he hasn't got the pressure of the big England games anymore. He can enjoy it. Yeah,
3: I do think I feel like Tilsley can um, let his hair down a little bit. He's sort of yeah, as you say, he's no longer having to do all the most pressured games. Yeah, possibly. It, it is the same. And, you know, we, we enjoyed champion McCoy's this season. They appeared together on Prime a couple of times on, you know, your sort of Southampton Wolves kind of games. It was, it
1: was perfect. What I quite like from, um, from Clive is that he gets so relaxed that he starts plugging, A, his book, and B, his uh, commentary charts just in the middle <laughs> of games, just for, you know... Completely out of context. <laughs> like ri like <laughs> it wearing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I suspect you
2: yeah, I suspect he might. And the first glimpse the other day, Charlie, of Gabriel Clark reporting from the England camp, mm-hmm. that to me yeah. is when the tournament cycle really begins.
3: Yeah. yeah. When Gabriel
2: Clark is ensconced in wherever England are. He straddles the line between over earnest, like an overwrought. I mean it is just football and sort of professional so well mm. like he really does i mean every update from the england camp which is often quite a mundane thing quite boring maybe nothing has happened i feel like it's appointment viewing when gabriel clark is telling me
1: the thing i the thing i like about gabriel clark is that he's he has a sort of parallel career as a as a respected and a very good documentary film producer now and this is clearly just his sort of i don't know his side gig now but he you're right he the, the seriousness of the bit with which he takes it the 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 comforting nature of the format you can you can absolutely you can um sort of predict to the sort of millisecond the long pause uh that he takes and you know there's always there's always a kind of same kind of camera shot of someone someone smacking the ball into the net in training which goes slightly out of focus and then it goes back into focus on the guy mm-hmm. that scored yeah <laughs> i it's amazing how much work does
2: go into these training, tra- training camp dispatches it's um genuinely really impressive so long I mean if the BBC ever poached Gabriel Clark that would be the next that'd be like Des going to ITV mm. for me um, that would be huge anyway I think um we did we not really selected any names there at all but I think we've got a, a good vibe of what we like yeah. and dislike about our uh, studio lineups um, back to the pitch now Nick I've simply written here goal scoring not sure what we're supposed to do here <laughs> uh, but uh, producer Dave has pointed out that we should decide whether we we want um golden slash silver goals at our fantasy tournament where do you stand on this
1: uh, I this is the thing I I, I the, the golden goal is now such a sort of anachronism when was it last in place 2002 something like that True, yeah yeah um, That enough time has passed for me to think to, to me to have kind of gone through the logical cycle and then and now think actually that does sound like a really exciting idea because it is quite it, in theory it's a it's a very sort of dramatic
2: it's a noble yeah, endeavor. exactly. It's
1: a very sort of art, uh, uh, slightly artificial, but a very dramatic sort of construct. So, yeah, and, uh, uh, fuck it, bring it back. There's, and, uh, it, mm-hmm. We we know that it doesn't work. We know that it, it, what it actually generally leads to is to is thirty minutes of extremely cagey football. But you know, it's such a a, a good theory that you know maybe it can work again.
2: Charlie, the argument against golden Gold is often that it, it feels anticlimactic. I mean, it kind of, it doesn't perform the function it was almost designed to do. Um, but I don't know, maybe it's in the eye of the beholder. I mean, uh, Bierhoff's winner in 96 d- did feel a bit mm. anticlimactic. But then Trezeguet's for France in 2000 felt exactly what the golden goal had been designed to do. Like a really good goal deciding a, a game between two big teams that really shouldn't go to penalties because that's not the way to decide this, et etc. Et so... If and if that's the poster goal, if a phrase could ever exist for the golden goal, isn't
3: it? I mean, it's it's just funny that they used a European Championship to experiment. You know, you'd think this would be a sort of pre-season Intertoto Toto Cup or
2: something. They're like, yeah, let's just go. <laughs> You've seen the mascots; they don't yeah. care. They just don't
3: care. <laughs> just go straight in and do the Euros. It's never been tried. Yeah. Could work. Turns out it didn't. Uh, and and did, I mean, this the. The slightly strange compromise of a silver goal that we saw in yeah, 2004.
2: That was a bad halfway house. Mm. I mean, Nick, can you do you know the name of the scorer of the only silver goal in Euro's
1: history? Was it Greece? Yes, it was Greece it was against fall. Czech Republic. So, yeah. in, in 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 which oh, Jesus, I watched a documentary about this two days ago, and I've already forgotten. I'm going to say just going to say Karis Deus, because I assume he scored it. That was it? It, it was um, Dallas. De- That's name. Oh,
2: okay. yeah, former Sheffield United centre half Trinos Dallas. The silver goal both flawed it as a concept and didn't have its kind of memorable moment either. Uh, apart from being a sort of really boring quiz question, so we definitely don't want a silver goal. But how do we feel about gold? And we don't want that either. We don't mm, want it.
3: Probably
1: not. penalties are okay. I, I'm, I say, I, I'm going to say yes for the golden goal, while knowing that I'm wrong.
2: Yeah, this is not a debate I'd ever want to have in any arena. So let's move swiftly on. We've roughly designed this tournament. We have the, uh, we have the nuts and bolts of it. Um, some more important than others. Charlie, who are your iconic winners? Who, which team deserve to win this fantasy perfect Euros from its history? Which team kind of define? Well, the, Euro- the, European the
3: Euros have have traditionally been good in that you've you have had these often these slightly strange winners. Um, you know, we know about Denmark ninety two, obviously Greece in two thousand and four, Portugal last time. So, in a way, I think you you want that. On the other hand, I do think. Euros have often represented the kind of high watermark of football because Euro 2000, I mean, that tournament was just amazing. And that France team, that France team that won Euro 2000 was far better than the France team that won the World Cup two years ago. I mean, it was basically the same team, but get rid of Givache and bring in Henri and Elka uh, and Trezeguet. Um, Henri and Trezeguet were at 98, they were far better by 2000. So I think that, so either you go for one of those underdogs or the other, like France, that Spain team that won the Euros both in 08, and then 2012, and that kind of bookmarked them as being the absolute best. So, yeah, I don't know. It depends how romantic or, or otherwise you want to go, I suppose.
2: I quite like the kind of completism of a team following up a mm. World Cup by winning the Euros, Nick. Um, I feel like that makes them, I mean, almost by definition, the most solid winner. I then There, there is... The, those storylines of the of the unexpected winners, your Denmarks, your Greeces, which are put an important part of Euro's tapestry, but where do you stand on this? I think I. If you indeed have a position. Yeah, I think you I, must.
1: What I like is, a, is and this is a, maybe a very journalist thing, but I like a, a kind of story arc. A team that. So the, the, this was true of Spain, I suppose. A, a team who have been good for a while but not won anything. Finally, kind of, you know, getting the the, realizing their potential. All that. Um, Adam his is his face is giddy with anticipation anticipation. here. Um, so I want a, 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 a final between that team and the complete outsider. Spain in 2008 and Greece in 2004. Okay. I, I was going to throw uh, Holland 88 into the mix just because um, every picture of them lifting the trophy and or
2: participating in your 88 looks really, really nice, um, which I don't think is quite enough to qualify yeah. them, but still still looks really nice. Can't really look past Spain, can we? Uh, I, I do, but I do like France 98 in 2000, uh, as Charlie specified. So I think I might have to go with them. That's all right, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I think it has to be one of those two teams as one of the finalists. And I, I do like, I like that idea of yeah, one of them, but then against United to Denmark or, or your Greece 2004. Or, I mean, Portugal 2016, they're probably not quite at that level, are they? But they, they were certainly a big surprise given how they did in the groups.
2: Okay, here's 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 the semi finals then. France two thousand versus Denmark ninety two, and then Greece two thousand four versus Holland eighty eight, and let's see where it all goes from there. I'm sure it'd be lovely. Um decided decided in spawny fashion, no doubt. Um more importantly for for this situation, Charlie, where's your final being held? I have a very Euro venue in mind. I just want to see if anybody else says it. What's the most European stadium you can think yeah, of?
3: Yeah, I I this is quite a tricky one the most Euro I think I might have it in, in Holland in Rotterdam somewhere like that that feels like a the very type. yeah de, exactly um, mm. that feels to me very Eurosy.
2: 2000 final venue of course Nick what, what, what's in your mind?
1: Uh, I think it is the uh, Olympia Stadion in Munich in 1988 oh it's oh I like it's got, that it's got a running track it has you know lots of iconic kind of moments uh, really kind of unusual stadium design
2: yeah I'm going mm. with that both very solid nominations i mean both conjure up very vivid but images. but you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but i just want to th- throw a third option into the mix which is a state that everybody's heard of but no one can picture and yet has a, a very solid place in european football history more to the point sits pretty much smack bang in the middle of europe as well and that that's the earnest i Hatton thought you were going to say that yeah,
3: yeah i thought you were going to go Ernst that
2: dramatic Dramatic, weighty, historical yeah. things happen at the Ernst Happel Stadion in Vienna. And I've got uh, it. The uh, opening
1: credits can have Mozart playing in the background, perhaps. Exactly,
2: exactly. The, I, I, um, d- so, I did
1: think about that, but uh, I disqualified on the basis that the camera angle was too low. But
2: I, oh fair enough yeah. and you knew that would strike me in the middle of my heart <laughs> as well as, Yes. or oh, for that reason alone I'm almost tempted to, do, to get rid of it but no I put a lot of thought into it <laughs> so no so that's our fantasy perfect European championships we've got 16 teams we've got the Adidas Questa Europa as our ball. slight amount of colour but nothing too garish Uh, We've got a rabbit as our mascot, inoffensive, slightly creative, but, you know, nothing that's going to rock the boat too much. As our theme tune, we've got, yeah, slightly bouncy... Effort from Euro 2016 on the BBC. Des Lynam opening the affairs. Backed up by um, Matt Smith and Jim Rosenthal for the kind of secondary and highlight situation. That's a very strong. We don't care who our pundits are. It's all very very much a mixed bag anyway. But we know we want one suave Continental in there at least. Fabregas, a very good shout this year. Um, we're not having the golden goal controversially, but we're certainly not going to debate it at any length. Straight to penalties for all our, our semi-finalists, which are Denmark 92... France 2000, Holland 88, and Greece 2004, which have been arbitrarily selected, all reaching its crescendo at the Ernst Stadion in Vienna. But there is one final thing for us to decide. That is, what's going to be the official film of our Fantasy Euro tournament? Now, there isn't a rich history, much like Mascot's Nick, of official films in Euro's history. But there is one very, very interesting example. Sandwiched between the uh, genuinely legendary... Mexico 1986 film Hero, which was narrated by Michael Caine, and the Italian 90 official film, which was narrated by Edward Woodward, is the Euro 1988 official film, named Tor, which is German for goal, of course. Now, with all those heavyweight narrators, Nick, the choice for this one was Red Dwarf and Coronation Street's Craig Charles. Sensational! I have no idea how he came to land that
1: gig. The thing you want from any sort of football documentary is... Surprisingly big name, so you know, my mm. Michael Caine, and obviously with the the Spurs. Doc- you want gravitas, yeah. right? It's the Spurs documentary recently was Tom Hardy, wasn't it? And you think how how did that happen? But yeah. but yeah, Craig Charles. Unless unless you know, he was a stratospherically big name in 1988, and we just can't remember it. Yeah, very
2: old. Charlie, the only reason I really wanted to shoehorn this this cate- this final category into proceedings is simply for the clip that I'm going to play this episode out with, which is the very very fascinating way that Craig Charles pronounced the name of the island goalkeeper throughout this official film. Here, indeed, is 30 seconds of Craig Charles pronouncing Pat Bonner's name.
1: Bonner in the Irish goal begins to measure out his answer. In Dublin, they can only pray that Bonner's athletic nerve and look will see it through. Bouters, Bonner off his line. Boner safe. From nothing, Coombe's shot glances off Keith's head and bubbles apologetically, spinning wide at the brave boner.
2: The most childish moment in the Football Clichés podcast's history. Anyway, hope everyone enjoys the Euros. That was essentially our fantasy version of what we would like to see, but I'm sure the real thing will be just as good, no matter what kind of combination of elements we have. What we should say is that the Football Clichés will be with you for the entire tournament because we're going two episodes a week, bringing you, as David Ornstein famously said on the trailer recently, an alternative look at the tournament storylines. See everyone very, very soon indeed. Bye.
1: The Athletic.